I'm Dr. Rachel Lupian. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Sparrow. Our climate is in crisis, and we all want to help, but we might not know how. We're talking to people who have figured out how to use their talents to combat climate change in the hopes that their journey might inspire your own. This is How We Got Here, because the Earth needs professional help. Tuesday. It's another delightful yeah. Tuesday. It feels like a Thursday. It feels like fall here in <laughs> Richmond. So that's finally. I know. We had a crazy cold front move through. We had two cold fronts move through yesterday. Just taught my class about cold fronts, but I'm in a flannel and I'm happy. You love flannel. Who does it? A lot of people don't. But <laughs> I mean, you really love do. flannel. I do love flannel. And so even though it did hit 72 degrees today, I was sweltered in my flannel. Uh. <laughs> But that's a manageable It was a cool swelter. 72. Yeah. It was a dry 72. <laughs> we also, it is very much fall in New York, and I went on a lovely bike ride this past weekend with some gravel cycling, actually in New Jersey, and it was um, it was delightful. I, it's a little cold, actually. See your picture? Uh, first Maybe. of all, saw, <laughs> as you know, my husband and I used to have a previous road biking life, and we lost that when ah, it yes. came to Richmond because of the lack of bicycle safety, VDOT. Um, They're listening. Yeah. VDOT is <laughs> Henrico listening County. and this will change their mind. Thank you. <laughs> a sharrow on one road in the county does not equate to bike safety. Anyway, yeah. I saw your pictures on Instagram. I saw your cycling vest, and I was like, man, yeah. I remember those oh, days. Oh, yeah. This is great. An unzipped vest look. It was great. Oh, so, I mean, how... <laughs> autumnal. <laughs> autumnal look. <laughs> how else was your week? Did you have anything good or bad? Yeah, I had a pretty good week. Um, I had some exciting, just like friend things. Like I had a couple friends get some job interviews, Ooh. which was very exciting. Definitely. I just feel very happy for them, and yeah. Th- yeah, it's just really exciting. And I also like I have a, like a kind of a new group of friends at work. That is like a bunch. We have a bunch of new postdocs in my research group, but also sort of adjacent research groups, and we've been having lunch together, and it's just. Nice to feel that sense of community. It's tough as a postdoc sometimes because you're not a student. You don't all start at the same time. So that's been really nice to get to know these people. I think that's huge. I remember specifically a colleague of our, a friend, acquaintance, friend, acquaintance, Bronwyn. Kind of friend, acquaintance. Friend, acquaintance, Bronwyn yeah. Kanicki, who's a, an amazing um, paleolimnologist. Yeah. She, I saw her at an AGU Brown meetup or whatever. Um, and I remember her saying her postdoc was the most, she's just like, I've a tough time. Yeah, the most alienating. And so it's actually very, and I felt that a little yeah. bit because our, when I was a postdoc, my department didn't have graduate students and we had just come from Ooh, our yeah. graduate school department is so community based right. and we had such a wonderful, I'm grateful for yeah. a wonderful community of grad students and postdocs. Such a good community that they decided to start a podcast. Together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think, I think actually finding a postdoc group is enormous and yeah. just like making friends as an adult sucks. I know. It's tough. Sucks. Yeah. I, I felt a little like. A little lonely in my group for a little while, yeah. but it's all good people. It's just we have more now, and it's it's nice, especially post COVID, to sort of have a well, post COVID, you know, uh, the, later later in COVID, yeah. we're figuring things out. That um, yeah, we can we can people are back on campus. Post pre COVID, nice. yeah, pre yeah. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Uh, wait, did I also read that you were quoted in an article? Uh, yeah, I was. I I was. What? Tell uh, me more. That's true. 
Well, it was a, it was an article about um, about human evolution. It was about Homo erectus dispersing out of Africa and what drove that. And I I uh, had a little interview with the with the journalist, and it was picked up in the Atlantic. That's huge. And Smithsonian Magazine. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That's awesome. I yeah. that's great. That sounds like a great week. Yeah, it was a good week. Yeah. How about you? I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, no. remember my week. This isn't my son has been sick. You bring him to the oh, doctor. It's not COVID. Yeah. It's not strep. So I'm grateful for that. But like, what is it? I don't know. It means he's crying every night. So do I remember my week? I think we had a good weekend. We went to the farmers market. Oh, I got kombucha. My my favorite fall seasonal kombucha <laughs> is it? In your flannel, <laughs> my flannel. kombucha. Oh man, probably held a pumpkin or two. I do have a pumpkin <laughs> on my front porch. <laughs> Yes. Is it a jack-o'-lantern yet? No, oh, I really don't want to even do that. I mean, isn't yeah, it enough? It's a lot it of work. <laughs> uh, we we have very tiny gourds that we got for like a dollar from the grocery store. That's our that's our decoration. Do you know that McSweeney's, <laughs> do you know that McSweeney's piece? Yes, that's what, motherfucking gourd season. Yeah, I had my Wait. students. It's decorative gourd season, motherfucker. Decorative gourd. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I had my students read that in an interview by him because he talks about climate change and how his falls no don't feel like other falls anymore. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Wow. You're such a cool professor. Oh, my God. I think my <laughs> students don't know if she is me, but that's okay. Um, no, they're grateful. They're grateful. We'll see. It's fine. What about anything? I know we also like to just think about our week and normalize things. Not successes or just talk about things that we're struggling with. So is there anything... You're struggling yeah, with this I mean, past week. Just going along with the the autumnal theme is I'm just noticing more and more how dark it is earlier, and that is so tough. Yes. Especially to get work done at the end of the day, it's very difficult for me, at least, to I'm sure for other people oh. too, to like leave work when it's dark out. And it hasn't quite happened yet, but daylight savings is only a couple uh, weeks away, and like I'm just dreading it. I think it's only <laughs> I. I'm dre- like two weeks. Yeah, I agree. I'm dreading it for my my son wakes up at five thirty now. Does that oh, mean he's my. gonna wake up at four thirty? Cool. But also, you are very <laughs> great about being um, your lack of carbon. This is how tired I am. Oh my gosh! But you bike to work is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, I bike home from work. I am uh, dropped off at work in a car with my bike oh. because it's on a hill and I don't like biking up that hill. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I tried to bike as much as possible home from work so last great. week. And yeah, I'm not going to be able to. Do, and it's raining all week. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just having kind of a, like a yeah. blip. I get it. I get it. It's starting. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting. What about you? Besides, wait, <sighs> you're going good, my bad. You said Theo was sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm very much, it's, it is decorative gourd season. Halloween is coming up. This is like a good Ooh. and a bad. I have been looking forward to his daycare's trunk yes. or treat for so long Wait, and if he's too what sick is trunk or treat trunk or i just read that s- oh somewhere else so i mean this is new to me but i think it's a thing that trunk. yeah it's like his school the parents go and the kids trick or treat at the cars you just park in the parking lot you open your trunk oh car trunks car Got trunks it. yes not a I mean, yeah. it'd be great if they made I was like, like I, a pi- are like, they all dressed up as elephants oh my like God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so right he's home he's got a fever Doctor calls it a virus. No one knows. But I, <laughs> he won't care that trunk or treat. He can't go to trunk or treat. But I oh, will no. care if he's sick on Friday. Devastating. <laughs> Wait, but it hasn't been decided no, yet? No, no, no. Because if he gets better, okay. like the doctor cleared him as long as he doesn't okay. have symptoms. Because he, do- he doesn't have any crazy 
Great. I mean, any parent right now with kid in daycare in a time of COVID. Yeah. Never well, mind. What's his costume? Thing. Oh, he's a chicken. Oh. I'll, I'll link to it on the, on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited for our guest today. It's my pal from elementary school, even all the way back. Oh my God. Yeah, so Doug Miller is a clean energy pioneer working to make the transition to renewables faster, easier, and accessible. He uses the power of open source digital technology to accelerate the pathway towards lower carbon emissions. He gives talks all over the world, and he's talking to us some, <laughs> for some reason. He's, he talks on subjects including decarbonizing cryptocurrency, and he is a staunch believer in the power of technology to solve environmental problems. Doug and I, as I said, went to elementary, middle, and high school together. And fun fact, he gave me, he probably does not remember this at all, he gave me a purple watch with an elastic uh, band, for my ninth birthday at an indoor soccer arena. That was my birthday party. And it was sick. I loved it. That watch or the party or both? Oh, both. I, it was a good time. I'm actually so excited to talk to Doug. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. I bet he's changed a lot since since we were nine. But yeah. Welcome, Doug. <laughs> Welcome, Doug. Hey, Doug. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? Long time no see. It has been a while, been uh, a few years since we last talked. Yeah, maybe like 10? Over 10, yeah. Oh God, 12? Yeah, wow. So thank you so much for joining us and we cannot wait to hear about what you do because we really, this is, this is a bit outside of our little tiny scientist brains and we cannot compute, but you're gonna tell us. So first off, what do you do? What is your job title? What is on your business card? Not the details, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I work at Energy Web, which is a nonprofit organization. I'm sure we'll talk more about you know, what we do as an organization. But my title technically is manager, um, and you know, I I can go into more what that role entails if you'd like. Yeah. So your business card basically just says manager. It says and- manager. <laughs> So then, yeah, what do you actually do? What what do you manage? Ooh. Yeah, so um, at the core of it is uh, market initiatives and strategic partnerships with different energy companies, electric utilities, grid operators, and then industry associations in particular. Okay, I am going to be real with you. I don't know what a lot of those things are. So, yeah. and Steph is also shaking her head, but we're going <laughs> to yeah. get into it. So. Okay, so I guess what would help us tiny-brained people understand is like, what do you actually actually do? On a day-to-day basis, what would we find you doing at the office or I don't know, in the field? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's uh, right now a work from home office still. Um, and the, you know, what you'd find me doing, it's both a combination of things that are external facing and then work with my team. So. In terms of the external facing stuff, it's um, part of its education. So it's helping different different companies that work across, essentially help make sure the lights turn on um, in the US and abroad. We help them understand what is blockchain technology and other decentralized technologies. How might it be useful for them? Help them understand how it might fit into their business. Um, 
then based on what people understand, I am also have a role. I also have a role in helping them figure out what what types of technologies they might want to build and solutions they might want to build for, say, you you or me as customers of our particular um, you know electric utility. Um, so that's where when I say strategic partnerships, that means writing contracts, understanding what what is the thing we're actually going to be doing together, who's doing what, what you're what are you responsible for over what time frame. And it takes a lot of work to get to that point of being able to put that on a piece of paper. Um, so that's when I say strategic partnerships, it's defining all those different buckets of things, just like if you're, you know, putting together, uh, you know, maybe a, a proposal for a scientific grant, let's say you have to figure out all those basic questions and uh, this is the way to formalize it. Um, and so I work to draft it, put it, you know, in front of people to sign. And then once it's signed, um, part of my work is to then share what we learned from that work. And that again feeds into the education component. Um, then when I say marketing, can I interrupt you really oh, yeah. quickly? Sure. You use the word blockchain. Oh yeah, we need we need some help. Okay. So you're <laughs> <laughs> what you're what you do is you help other companies decide if they want to blockchain to, to block use a chain. blockchain. Is it a verb? <laughs> is it a noun? And then chain block. Yeah, no. what, it's not that. And then what? why would a company, what is a blockchain? What is Can blockchain? Can you just help us? <laughs> yeah. It's for, it's for our listeners. It's, we yeah, understand it's us. it. We but, know. Yeah, yeah. We know. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can take a stab at it. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, before doing that, though, I think something that's worth mentioning is that, and to set the context, this technology like other technologies we use for, say, recording this uh, podcast right now, mm -hmm. there are a whole bunch of different technology tools that help make this happen so that we can, you can hear me, I can hear you right now, we can see each other on this video screen. You or I don't, I certainly couldn't explain to you all the different techno technology components that help make this happen. I don't even know what all the different components are called. Um, but we know how to use the app that all those technologies came together to form. Okay, that's great. I'm with you. So <laughs> that's if that's the starting point. One of the challenges with why I think and why uh, you know I, when you spread up the word blockchain, you're like, I see your faces change. Um, I think we think <laughs> about this technology as something that operates almost in a parallel universe of technology because of the way it's been covered by the media. Huh. Um, the way to think about it is that it's useful because it, it's for an application like the one we're using today. It's another one that does some specific things in the stack of tools to deliver applications. So that's the context. It's not like a parallel internet. It's not something that operates on its own. It doesn't interact with other tools we already use. So that's point not, one. Not the dark web. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it is, and how is it useful? In general, it's, it's useful in scenarios where you need multiple people or organizations to know about a single thing. Okay. So, like recording a podcast or Slack. <laughs> well, are we way you, off? <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean that, that you're getting there. So, to, to give an example, in the energy sector, which is one that's really known for being really behind the times in terms of technology adoption, okay. um, they use software that's like 20 years old. If you go onto your utilities, you know, app, it probably doesn't look like other more modern apps you use. It looks um, like a GeoCities website. Exactly. Um, and so it, in the energy sector, you, lots of people need to know information about, for example, 
how much electricity did you consume? When did you consume it? What was the price of electricity? Did you pay your bill? Um, and one of the challenges, the energy, and I'm going to get to what blockchain is in a second, but I think it's okay, helpful no, to show don't. the use. Um, it's um, in, in these scenarios, m multiple people need to know information, but there's not that much information to have to deal with. It's just, you know, your monthly payment. Um, did you sign up for a program, et cetera? In the energy sector, I think, as we know, as we work to tackle the climate crisis, there are many more devices or things that are interacting with our electric grids. We have solar panels, electric vehicles, batteries, smart thermostats, more and more small things, essentially, that make our grid way more complex. It's a lot more information to keep track of. And we can't use spreadsheets and old databases anymore when there's, say, two, three, four, even many more organizations that need to know was this, did this payment happen or um, did did a, this particular battery provide storage? And so blockchain is useful as a distributed ledger to be the single source of truth about a particular event. And so blockchain blockchain as a tool is a it's a database in a lot of, you can think of it that way, but it's one where similar to Google Doc, multiple people can view at the same time to see if a change happened. Gotcha. And over time, you can see the, the history of changes that happened from a particular thing. I'll go into more later, but um, maybe that's no, a helpful starting point and maybe different useful. than what you might see on a, you know, some sort of publication. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the word blockchain and then I just, my brain shuts off. So that yeah, was very helpful. Cool. Yeah. So wait, wait, is it like, it's like a strategy or it like blockchain or it is... It is a type of technology, it's a type but of it's technology. not like a, it's like a way of like fingerprinting something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's like that. So, you know, when you save um, your, your the email on your Gmail, uh, let's say, or if you save something to a shared drive, that's being stored somewhere in a single right. database like a Microsoft um, or Amazon database, right? Yeah. Um, this is a way to build that storage of data in some ways you can think of it, but where there's no one owner of the data. You're like democratizing this data. Decentralizing it. Or mm. decentralizing it, not democratize. And also you can see <laughs> previous, it sounds like you can also see like previous edits. Is that true also? Or is that an important component or no? It, it is an important component. You can, yeah, so okay. you can, and then there are ways, because there's all, one thing that you always have to balance is privacy. So there's certain ways to balance what you record versus referencing that something happened that has a, that, yeah, that has a unique link to pri private, uh, you know, data that's protected separately. So that's definitely why it's decentralizing and not democratizing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So to catch up, your actual day to day is helping companies decide whether or not, particularly energy companies, decide whether or not they want to incorporate blockchain technology and then dealing with all of the logistical stuff that goes into these contracts to help them decide why they might want to include blockchain in their strategy. Yep. Wow, it's... Steph, you are so good. I was half there. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really well said. And then, you know, that's how that then feeds into other work is then I share with share with the team internally, you know, where are we going? Where does this company want to go? How does this, you know, what are we gonna have to do? And then based on what we do, I can share what we learn externally to then get other companies on board with the work. 
Um, so that's one, it's this uh, strategic partnerships. And then the second piece is market initiatives. What I mean by that is we say, we think this, this is an important thing for a particular industry to do. Let's say one I'm running right now, it's called the Crypto Climate Accord. Um, let's have the entire Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the different crypto uh, currencies you may have heard of. Let's make sure that as much of this sector as possible is powered with renewable energy and uses new technology tools like the ones I started talking about earlier um, to help power that uh, that solution. And so yeah, that's one I mean, where there's a whole another set of work. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting you bring it up. I mean, that's what like I've heard about cryptocurrency from like a climate yeah. perspective is that it's just terrible for the environment. And Steph and I were talking before and we were like, wait, but why? Wait, why is it bad for the environment? Well, we've heard that. <laughs> yeah. So our question to you is why? <laughs> and then also, what is a Bitcoin and what is an NFT? But the, the more important part is the climate change. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's kidding about the NFT, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, so the question is the environmental impact of crypto. I think the helpful context is the energy use for the crypto sector is growing. And some people equate it to the size of several countries' equivalent of energy use, which oh, wow. you know makes it sound um, maybe more impressive than it than it is in the sense that um, it's still less than one percent of global energy use. So I think when you said it that way, um, you know the comparisons are to really small countries in terms of their energy use. Um, but it's what I I don't think the conversation about the energy use of crypto is helpful in a vacuum. From, from our perspective, or at least my perspective, um, I think every sector has an energy problem. None of them are fully renewably powered um, and all you know, not enough of them have invested enough in energy efficiency as well. So what we're you know, at EnergyWeb, part of the, the reason for creating this crypto climate accord, and it's just an example of the type of work um, I have is um, there's a lot of, the crypto sector has a limelight right now. It's getting criticized for its energy use. Let's take the attention and change the narrative. Let's let's accept it's, a, it's an issue, just like every other industry has this issue. And let's build solutions to decarbonize, prove that you make progress on this with new technologies using blockchain. Um, and then provide an example for other sectors to follow. For example, if you look at the financial sector, so banks, financial institutions, um, a recent report by CDP, formerly Carbon Disclosure Project, found that their investment portfolios have a carbon emission equivalent of 700 times greater than their own direct emissions. Oh, wow. So, I mean, banks finance oil and gas projects, coal projects, yeah. et cetera. Um, so that's the reason to bring that up again is just to say that this sector, the crypto sector has an issue, so do it's others. False equivalencies. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's an example of that type of work. And um, yeah. Can I ask follow-up questions? This crypto climate accord, which sounds very cool, and I wish our normal countries would just pass a normal climate accord. Um, <laughs> is it, who who would, so, so I see an accord as like a thing that signatories yeah. latch on to. Who, is it a country that would sign on or yeah. how does that work? So we've set it up. It's. It was it, the idea that we called it an accord to show that it's inspired by the Paris Agreement. Right. Um, it's a private sector-led initiative, so it's just companies that sign up, and essentially they commit to decarbonize their crypto activities. So what, what that means is 
if you're a crypto exchange, um, you might have heard of, say, Coinbase. For a place where you might buy and sell cryptocurrency, we're working with those types of organizations to help them link the energy to estimate the energies of those holdings by renewable power, and then essentially say, if you're buying or selling crypto on our platform, we can guarantee that it's renewably powered. And here's proof. Um, for some, for someone who's actually mining cryptocurrencies, so the actual, um, essentially those who help maintain these networks, um, we are helping them directly, essentially change their electricity sourcing to renewables rather than a generic grid and then proving it to investors or regulars, whoever is relevant. Um, but this is all early stage. We only launched the, the Crypto Climate Court six months ago. Um, but what's interesting is that it's both crypto companies and then climate and energy groups essentially want to sell them the products because right. they get it that yeah. the crypto sector is just another buyer of uh, clean energy solutions, just like Apple and Google and whole bunch of you know household uh, name brands by renewable power i mean it's cool it's like fair trade certified right but like actually climate carbonless certified i guess right yeah yeah it's um more real than what fair trade is you know <laughs> yeah it's easier to define because it's simply just every unit of like renewable electricity in our grid in the u.s or in european grid or any international market um it's it's called a renewable energy certificate or there's a couple yeah. of other names so one rec yeah. is equal to one megawatt hour of clean electricity and so that's the instrument hmm. to prove it and going back to my point earlier these the current technology tools to manage these markets are really old so we're just trying to use these new technologies to make it easier to say which recs are available who bought what and prove it that you did buy it rather than um having to deal with old databases and like Essentially, wanna, using an e- using an email as a PDF to stand behind your corporate report. You don't yeah. want to query something in SQL. You don't want to just yeah. do that. Grace, did you have a real question? Because I have so many more questions. No, no, no. That's no. That's great. I've learned so much already. It's been like ten minutes. <laughs> can I ask two more questions? And then, and then we can move on. Okay. To actually, okay. Twelve okay, more can, questions. Okay. No, no. And then I'll stop. When you say mining Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Here but it's on the computer. You... <laughs> right. This is not a physical yeah. digging a mine, correct? Correct. You are <laughs> digitally digging a mine, kind of. Okay. Yeah. Why? <laughs> no, but truly, like why or how or what? What does that mean? How do you make bitcoins? Like, yeah. okay, I know back in the day the US Treasury used to have like gold back right mm-hmm. like now oh. now all currency is fake basically right like i guess it's where this whole bitcoin versus whatever it comes but how how does how do you mine a bitcoin from the yeah. computer earth so broadening it a bit so with blockchain um the whole point is to provide a you know there are different ways that exist already today to establish trust about what happened and who say did I send you a payment? Did you send me this document? Um, this is a way to do without a single organization being in charge of the whole process. Hmm. And it's a way to remove in, in because of the way that many markets are set up where different organizations own different parts of the process, you then might need to hire somebody to navigate that process or to get you from step one to step two, because they're say a gatekeeper. Um, and so in the case of Bitcoin, 
the whole point of Bitcoin is just to send financial values, send money. Um, and it's in a, it's done in a way where, you know, if I were sent, were I sending you uh, money through say Venmo or PayPal, ultimately it interacts with the banks to prove that the transfer happened. And that's the way to establish trust that something changed. That, you know, I went through 10 bucks and you received 10 bucks. Um, with Bitcoin, it's a way, essentially at the end of the day, it's a way for me to send you that $10 um, with, without somebody running without the whole third show. Yeah. It's a way for, so, and I'll get it to what mining is in a second. So it's just, it's a way to then verify this thing happened. I transferred the funds and I, and I also had the funds beforehand. And so the way that the whole point of mining in the case of Bitcoin is it's an, it's an incentive scheme. So for people to want to participate and build this network where one can send, in this case, financial value from one party to another, mining is a way to win money or big into the form of Bitcoin, where you essentially help run what's called um, it, a node to maintain the network. So if you're mining Bitcoin, practically what you're doing is you're trying to solve and, I'm, and you can stop me if this gets no. too I, I cannot wait to see what this is. Here's the thing. Yeah. I am like so engaged because I have never had someone sit down and talk to me about yeah. this. And I just yeah. can't. So, okay. A blockchain, the way to visualize it, I like to think of it like train cars. Okay. Okay. And you might have heard of Bitcoin versus Ethereum versus XRP versus Doug, Cardano. Don't you worry. We have just, not. Yeah. We no. know stick Bitcoin. To Bitcoin. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you can think of the point is you can think of each blockchain as its own independent rail system. Okay. You got the LARR, you got Amtrak, yeah. MJ Transit, yeah. Yeah. Amato Trains. Yep. And in some <laughs> cases, it. there are fragments as our train systems are. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. But in some cases, you can't interconnect depending on which blockchains we're talking about. Um, so on every blockchain, there's you can think of there being like the, the train cars where there are rules and about what types of things can be on the train cars. If it's Bitcoin, it's just Bitcoin. So it's current a form of currency. Sure. If it's other another blockchain like the energy web chain, there's other stuff that can be in there. Um, and each with each train track, um, each blockchain, the train cars roll at a different speed. They leave it, they leave it as different speeds. So in Bitcoin and they leave every 10 minutes. With our blockchain, it's every three seconds, and what? Yeah, sorry. Keep going. And it's just a, it's a way. <laughs> just keep yeah. going. I'm in okay, this. and it's a it's a way to. So that's like the movement, and the idea is within each of those time frames, you have a certain amount of time to put stuff in the train car, close it. The way to lock it, so that you know that everything's in there is in there. Everybody knows it's in there. Everyone agrees mining. that that that's mining. Is that part is the locking. Um, and there is a financial incentive to encourage somebody to lock it. And that's what mining is. And so in Bitcoin, if I am the one who solves the puzzle and locks the car, I win a Bitcoin. And, um, this sounds made up. I just want, <laughs> I mean, but, I guess it is, right? but it is, and is it right? Cause there are whole yeah. businesses that are the bitcoin is foundational to their economy 
or like they're well, yeah, they're, not yeah I mean now it's accepted it's accepted currency in more and more platforms that's and banks. Yeah. my, that's my wedding are, photographer yeah. accepts uh Bitcoin. no she doesn't yeah wait Doug I don't own any should we bi- mine yes. some bitcoins no but like also <laughs> can I buy a bitcoin with a dollar obviously no. not a dollar I, they're I expensive yeah, but now, you can, right? but you can buy so the part of it too is you can buy um fractions of cryptocurrency so you, yeah, you don't have to buy a whole one because right now today it's sixty two thousand dollars per bitcoin oh, yeah for one um, bitcoin but you, what if you, i learned you guys how to solve it? the puzzle <laughs> oh what so if, if i national treasured this <laughs> so if you if you set up a bitcoin mining facility yeah you could you could uh, do that mining Wait, so facility I, I interrupted you before you were gonna like get to mining oh. it yeah what do you it, no it's solving the puzzle you're the what, one that locks the, the train puzzle? But what's You're the, the puzzle? One, the puzzle is how do I get all this stuff to this person and put it on the train it's and make sure it's there? Pe- people want people want to, to be part of that rail system and put stuff on it because they know it's going to be sealed and work and deliver the things that are in the car. Right. And but they don't want one person to run the show. Right. So and so this is this is the it's essentially just the incentive scheme to have a in to have it running. Like a co-op to have it running, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This so, is, but I, I realize this is. Um, do you go to bitcoin.com like <laughs> gov biz <laughs> dot edu? Do, uh, um, do you have to type no. in www.darkweb.com? <laughs> Dark, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, pe- so. some people do. I mean, some people do. You know, have used it for. Um, ransom and dark money, oh, wow. but um, but I mean, okay, it gets a bad cash. rap because yeah. Okay, Doug, honestly, this was insanely <laughs> helpful. I'm not even joking. This was truly, yeah. truly yeah. helpful. And Rachel, I really hope that you pay your photographer in Bitcoin now. We will, we will own a fraction of a Bitcoin. Um, I would love to because I don't like my photographer, and um, I have no Bitcoin. So I will say that I will pay them in Bitcoin. How about that? Um, okay, <laughs> Doug, that was honestly okay. I sat thank through you. that one thank episode you. of John Oliver yeah. once, and I didn't really get it, but this was helpful. <laughs> I'm glad it was helpful. I wasn't uh, originally planning to do it long. No, I know, no, I know, I know. Yeah. We just went fault. down, yeah. But you helped. Yeah, but it, it is. But the point again from the earlier framing. To, it's maybe helpful to know generally how it might kind of works, but it, the point is that we're now reaching a point where this technology will be in the back, like behind the scenes of an app you might use. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Right. Yeah. You because might not know so you're common. using blockchain. Right. You're just like, oh, it's built on this thing and you don't know because I'm using the the thing at the, the end. The interface. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Doug, <laughs> as I understand it, you <laughs> both help companies decide whether or not to use blockchain, create, do the really unfun contracting work. And also you're doing this really, you're on the front end of trying to create this crypto climate accord to be like, okay, even though everyone is pointing at us for taking a lot of energy, and we kind of are, but let's get ahead of it and let's actually get on board and be all renewables and actually lead, unlike yeah. yep. other countries that we may live in mm. um, or other con- <laughs> that we reside. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is kind of clear, but how would you say your work contributes to combating the climate crisis, even though I may have articulated Yeah. <laughs> how do I see contributing to the? But to climate solutions, you said? Yes, exactly, exactly. Combat- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so um, so Energy Web, as I mentioned before, is a nonprofit. What's interesting though is we work like a tech startup. So we are a staff of about 60 people, but we have about 45 or 50 software program- programmers and engineers. Oh, wow. So 
um, were spread across all continents except for Antarctica at this stage. Um, <laughs> we got that covered. Um, You'll get yeah. there. <laughs> and um, essentially what our mission is, is to provide digital infrastructure for the clean energy transition. So the energy, the clean energy transition is the idea that we need to change the way our electric grids are powered and we need to electrify more things, meaning our cars need to become electric, our appliances need to become electric in our homes and offices, et cetera. And to get to that future state, there's a lot of focus, for example, the Build Back Better plan right now from the Biden administration, if it actually hopefully gets passed in some form, um, it's a focus on physical infrastructure. It's we need more wind turbines, batteries, EVs. Candidly speaking, it seems like there's not enough focus on the digital infrastructure. And what I mean by sure. that is if you say, let's say you or I bought a uh, you know, electric vehicle, a battery and a solar panel, let's say we had those in our home. It's not user-friendly to have all those things doing everything you thought they were supposed to do when you bought them. And so we're here to provide more tools in the same way that our web apps have become more become easier to use. You have different integrations between different apps where we see blockchain being helpful behind the scenes of applications so that when you turn on your EV and you plug it in and say, you know, DC versus California or another country, or you want to sell electricity in a particular market from your solar, that it all just works behind the scenes. And the way that we're doing that, um, and I'll wrap up in a second, is no, by creating tools and it's all you know, all using what like what we call decentralized technologies to create a digital passport for you or me as people, for companies and for physical energy devices. And then using blockchain as the place where we establish that those passports exist and what the attributes and responsibilities and roles and actions of those who own the passports are. And just like with passports, you, it's yours. You have it. Um, we want to put people in more control of their data too. And hmm. um, again, where you can plug in wherever you want to plug it in. So you're so making it easier for people and the easier it is, the more people will use it, the more investors will see that people are using it and the more... The, positive the cycle, better. yeah. Yeah. It, yeah and we this love goes a into positive the, feedback loop here on how oh, we yeah. got here. <laughs> yes, it's but so not fun. in the form of, um, yeah. you know, some, some clients yeah, not every okay. Not like the yeah. ice albedo one. We don't like Okay, it. Exactly. not the ice albedo yeah. one. Okay, fine. But <laughs> Doug, so it also sounds like, though, you're, I mean, we've talked to a few other people who are working on the sort of, their work surrounds the Build Back Better plan. And it's really interesting, mm -hmm. right? Because you're, it also sounds like a lot of this is make, you would need the grid. You want more wind energy, more solar, and nothing Joe Manchin wants. Yeah. Well, yeah, so to make our grids work in this way, you'll have certain uh, politicians in particular say, um, well, when it's not always windy, it's not always sunny, as if people haven't thought about that. Um, so, <laughs> so this is part of the role of the technology that what we're focused on. So because, as I said earlier, our grids are becoming way more complex. We have many more devices doing things and can offer things that we need to make sure to tap into. We need to make sure that when we come home after work and we turn on air conditioning during the summer and the sun's going down or it's not as strong um, and it's certainly not windy that time of day, that we have batteries in the form of actual batteries or say electric vehicles that are ready to provide extra electricity to the grid we're working to provide those the tools 
behind the scenes where then those who run our grids can say, I know I have however many EVs and batteries I need so I can keep all the lights on, even if the solar productivity is going down and our electricity use is going up as we get home. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's one very specific example. But when I say digital infrastructure, it's actually managing the grid, right. yeah. not the physical stuff on the grid. Yeah, no, seems sure. really important. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not talked about enough, but it is, you know, you can see probably why, you know, you lose people pretty quickly in terms of, well, we have to, we <laughs> no, have to I don't physical... understand. <laughs> yeah. But we, no, but in the sense of like, we have to get the other stuff done first, but yeah. from our perspective, we want to make sure that this is part of how we approach yeah. things. And, um, that makes also sense. I'm sure as you've maybe experienced before, uh, you want to make sure that all the different pieces of hardware you buy can all plug into each other and work rather than, you know, trying to fit a cir circle into a square shape. Okay, so we have learned so much. The name of the podcast is How We Got Here. And so we really want to know, like, how you yeah. got to this job. So if you could tell us a bit about, you know, what you've been up to since my fourth grade birthday party. Like, what was your first job? At a, what did you study in college? What yeah. did you... Was yeah. your very first job dreaming about oh. digital infrastructure? Oh. What was your very first job? Absolutely. No. Um, <laughs> Me too. No, I never, I, I never thought, I thought I would work in tech or, you know, in this case, it's a nonprofit that does tech, which is even more niche. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll start with... Um, Wait, what you know, was your very first job ever? I just need to know. My, yeah, my very first job ever was at RMI, um, which is a clean energy think tank Rocky based Mountain out of Colorado. Yeah. Oh, but like you didn't have like a 16-year-old, like I am stuck working at... Like field hockey camp counselor. Yeah, maybe some I guess of us well, my very yeah. So it, you know, my very <laughs> very first job, um, I knew very early on that I wanted to focus in the environmental sector. So my first job was at a green architecture firm. Oh wait, was it the same one that I, we didn't work together? I was at Bal no. Bal Baltimore Green Construction. That was more of a contracting. Yes. So you knew the whole time yeah. though that you were like environment. And did you go to college yeah. for? Do you major in like environmental studies or? Yeah, so in college I did, um, I originally thought I wanted to do sustainability from the perspective of cities. And that's oh, one of the reasons mm -hmm. why I chose the school I went to. And I thought I was going to do environmental studies and urban studies. Okay. But then I worked for um, the mayor of Baltimore sustainability office. Didn't want to realize <laughs> I didn't want to do, you know, that type of work. That's um, totally a common theme we're finding is like, it's so good to have that first job and be like, oh, yeah. nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I, I you know, for check the, that for off the, the list. <laughs> totally. Um, and for the perspective of you know, students, I know you know there it depends on what's available and everything and what's possible. But um, I try to use internships as a learning experience, about, and I try to do different things every year um, to figure out what was most appealing versus not. So then that's a really good tactic. Yeah. yeah. Hot tip. Yeah. So every yeah. summer I did a completely different part of the. Luckily, I knew the environmental sector, so I focused on completely different parts. Um, but ultimately I landed on as this, I knew I needed something else to, to support the environmental studies focus. Cause I knew you couldn't just necessarily learn about the issues and get in, you know, something interesting in the, the field, at least for how I was thinking about it. Yeah. So ultimately I landed on a program called philosophy, politics, and economics, PPE, which focuses on essentially oh. at the end of the day, behavioral science. 
Um, did we go to the same undergrad? Penn? Where did you go to? No. Okay, Rachel's saying no. Never mind. Okay. We had one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's only like two or three schools that have it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Steph went to the other one, apparently. <laughs> Duke? No, WashU. WashU. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess. That's yes, the third one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so essentially in school, I focus on or I learned a lot about uh, behavior change, social norms, essentially how I got to that question and some of my undergrad and then postgrad research was if, if, the, if adopting climate solutions is just about dollars and cents, we would already be doing this because energy efficiency. It's already cheaper to invest in energy efficiency today in all industries and in our buildings, et cetera, but we're just not doing it. And it's not about dollars and cents, because even if you think about upfront costs, it pays back faster than other things. Um, yeah. So that ultimately got to the question. Doug, is, run for president. Yeah. I'll vote for you. Okay. <laughs> Doug, <laughs> vote president. Um, but it's what is actually holding things back. And ultimately, my undergrad thesis was on how do we change social norms, meaning what we think others are doing, what we think others expect of us, how do we knowing that that's really important for how we make decisions, whether it's investments or our day-to-day habits, how do we turn things in the tide in support of climate action? And that then was kind of the folk, the overarching theme of my undergrad and then grad school theses. Um, so my undergrad program was uh, environmental studies and PPE, with essentially behavioral science focus. Um, and I went straight to grad school after that, um, so where I focused cool. on it was a one-year master of science focused on environmental technology and they used technology in the broadest sense of the term how did you find that master's program like what drew you there um there were a couple of scholarships i was nominated for from penn um and so i was nominated for the Rhodes scholarship and then one or two others and then i didn't get any of them but through that yes. process <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't get them, but through the process, <laughs> one of the programs had you apply to two UK universities. Um, and I discovered this particular program at Imperial College that I thought looked really cool. So ultimately that was my, became my top choice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason I wanted to do the UK in the first place was my undergrad thesis I um, ran at Oxford, looking at the role of social, social norms and promoting new uh, clean energy habits. That's awesome. So then you went, that's really cool. And it's also kind of neat that you, this sort of came, you weren't necessarily initially thinking of doing it, but it came out of these other experiences that you were like, oh, this is a cool program. So then after that, you went to Rocky Mountain Institute and that was your first job yeah, job. First job job that wasn't an internship. <laughs> and again, the point about using internships for different types of you know, perspectives. My last internship in the, was in the UK and um, it was at a, a think tank. And I just thought that was a really interesting um opportunity and it's between that and you know my experience at rmi where i am now um you know, i have a certain a, a take on those who are in the sustainability sector however broad you want to consider that for how to think about opportunities like mm -hmm. this and the way i think about it is if you can imagine a two by you know, um, a grid with two you know two by two x and y axis um i think about it in terms of what scale of impact and i hate that term in a lot of ways but what scale of impact do you want to have in your career and what i mean by that is very local or very global and then how much control do you want to have over it mm -hmm. the actual implementation of the thing and um 
meaning, you know, do you want to be directly in control of the project? You're installing the solar panels, you're putting the project up in your city, whatever it might be. Or do you want it to be, you want to put it out into ether to inform wider conversations and dialogues, however you want to frame it. Um, Sounds like you need blockchain yeah. to solve some of those. Exactly. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I think that's awesome. Did you go right from RMI to this in yeah. DC or did you have in-between jobs? So um, my role at RMI was really interesting and um, I tried to, where possible, bring in some of my experiences in the role of the role of uh, social psychology and, and uh, social norms in you know, actually getting adoption of clean energy because um, RMI's core focus is on making the economics make sense and showing the business case for different things. I think, you know, again, the barrier isn't always dollars and cents. It's other cultural factors and yeah. just, just, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. And um, so, for example, one of one of my last projects at RMI, which I really had fun with, was informing Hollywood on uh, and even writing the script for a couple of shows and even NBA basketball game advertisements and Ooh. things like that on how do you make clean energy part of normal pop culture in terms of the, the, the attractive character in a show as a solar installer or, you know, the compelling oh dialogue God. is about wow. something with an electric vehicle. Um, and so that I produced guidance with the Wait. Producers Guild of America on this topic. And that was... If, if, if nothing else, it was a nice thing for me <laughs> to put my, so cool. my cap on um, in terms of something with social norms, because it wasn't clear where the opportunities would be with yeah. bringing that in the space. But I feel like that was a really cool project to say, OK, that that's out there. People can use it. Yeah. So my weather climate and society, I teach a class called Weather Climate Society, and I always struggle to find a like a fun pop culture representation of like climate change or green energy or exactly what you were saying. We watched like cli-fi is the closest thing we get. So we have them watch either the day after tomorrow or geostorm. Both are not good. I mean, no, day after tomorrow is good. Geostorm is atrocious, but it's amazing. Love day after tomorrow. I love geostorm so much, huh? but I've never seen I'm, it. I'm uh, Gerard Butler. But I always told my students, like, if you come across a sitcom, a commercial, something that is has just like a hint of climate change, let me know. Because I do search for it. And I think it's it's actually the lack of that topic in pop culture is, is important, right? Because the more we talk about these things, the more we acknowledge them. So I actually think it's so interesting. Yeah, and I haven't and it, seen, I don't watch like The Big Bang Theory. Maybe it's in there. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> We tried Big Bang Theory that didn't come through, but we we put together a whole pitch for two episodes <laughs> for that. Wait, actually, that's so cool. Um, wait, have you? Did you see? Did it go? Like, is there something I should be using in my class that I don't am not acknowledging? Like, there is an episode of Thirty Rock that I'm thinking of yeah. where they like go. Gr I, I mean, could, I could share the document with we you. Were... Yeah, <gasps> separately, yes. I can I can oh share the doc. Um, uh, you know, and, get ready, class. And, We're gonna have stuff to watch. <laughs> but I think, I mean, Including the core story though is like, installer. yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, <laughs> the core the core story is about representation. The clean energy sector already yep. employs more than the oil and gas and coal sector in the United States, even without much support from government, um, and with the limited actual percentage of, you know, our electricity supply. Um, and 
yet of course nobody knows that and even during the trump years the top of the top yeah. three fastest growing jobs two were solar installers and wind technicians um wow uh, trump told me it was coal and coal is coming back to exactly. us so. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so it's just about better representing these stories that people have because it's a larger share of the population. It's going to become more. Yeah. That's really interesting. Maybe we should have like a, yeah, like a social scientist. I think it's really neat that you as an undergrad sort of recognize, I need to do the social science aspect. Need to like figure out how to convince other people of this. Yeah, and that's really where you have can have a huge impact much mm-hmm. further beyond yourself. Okay, so what skills do you use for your job? What are you really good at? They're not ones I necessarily had before. Um, you know, they're not ones I would say I worked on when I was in school <clears throat> or that I thought right. I would, you know, use in my day to day. I'd say the things that have become important are um uh one the ability to negotiate and Mm. understand what i mean by that is understand what are people interested in what are their concerns what are their um the the practical limitations of you know both within their organizations or their interests or priorities so it's a lot of it's just it's about you know you can think of almost a balance of empathy and you know trying to put yourself in other people's shoes essentially if there's something you think you want to do together how do you put yourself in their position so you can help them get to the shared goal together um and then another Love thing yeah it's it's hard to put it's hard to put a specific name to this but um i'm the, one of my strengths i think is just give me a small idea and i'll turn it into a big bigger thing whether that's an initiative or you know the example I brought up, yeah, so that was we should create a climate <laughs> accord, and you know, six months later we have two hundred, almost two hundred organizations. We have people working on different things. We have some solutions being built. And that was six, you know, six months ago. We launched it. Um, it we're briefing uh, regulators awesome. and policymakers, um, or in the case of the example from before, somebody at the water cooler, and sometimes this stuff I guess does happen. Said, wouldn't it be cool if we got clean energy onto a TV show, and then we did, and then we turned <laughs> into this bigger thing. Um, so, I think with that, it's you know, run, running with ideas and being able to, um, you know, anytime you join an organization, you're not necessarily going to. There are going to be a lot of new things you have to learn, and you know, the the, the ability to take limited information and run with it to do something and uh, come up with something that others think is important and valuable. You know, that's I think, again, hard to put a specific name on that um but that's something that i've gotten i think really good at um i guess the last the practical thing to work on you know, for those who are in school um the biggest i think value in a lot of ways from my undergrad education and grad school was that they were multidisciplinary and hmm. why that's interesting, interesting. is comp it, the ability to take different perspectives on a single issue and also to make sense of things. I think it's sometimes helpful not to look at through just one lens. So the ability, to, and this I think, I guess probably goes to some of my, the first two points I brought up, but um, being able to approach a question or a challenge from different perspectives, um, I think is really important. So you're advocating for a liberal arts education. In <laughs> a thousand percent people should not do yeah. this in school undergrad. 
Yeah. Hundo- <laughs> oh, I mean, that's like my school's number one thing. But yeah, I fully agree. Um, Doug, if there were no climate crisis, how would you be spending using your great? I would also add, I think you're a great communicator and explainer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seriously. Now I know Train tracks. I, know. I know. I'm going to go tell everyone I know tomorrow what, it, what the blockchains are. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but no, but if there were no climate crisis, how would, what do you think you'd be doing? It's a a good question. Um, No wrong answers. Probably two routes. Yeah. So I'll give you the maybe lame lame response to start, which is, you know, it's it's not just the climate crisis. We also have water and energy issues. Um, So I think an area that's been under investigated and we need more people working in it and it's, you know, where I keep an eye on things just for maybe opportunities in you know, the next five to 10 year kind of time frame is the agriculture sector. Um, yeah, great. We, yeah. human and human health, our environmental health um, and different social problems that emerge from how, what we consume, how we consume it, um, how we produce the food in the first place. I think there's so many challenges and needs in that space. Um, and so that you know, that would probably be what I focus on if we weren't just caring, if we, if the focus wasn't just reducing carbon and, and methane emissions. Yeah. Um, I guess were we to solve that problem too, I always was interested in <laughs> architecture, architecture and design, and I don't know what exactly, but I love um, spatial things. So coming up with cool I do ways, remember now. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember now that you did that. Do you remember this where we, I was working at my green contracting firm and an internship and you were working at your green architecture firm and we like met on site. We were like the little, two little interns following our, I, I, that came back to me when you said that. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> I know, didn't know that would be our actual career path being yeah, in the formative. Both of us. Yeah. yeah. That was probably my first like, anything near environmental career path. Anyway, that's great. Those are great answers. Yeah. So well, to wrap up, yeah. do you have any pets? <laughs> we have a, no. um, COVID, a COVID puppy, so yeah. <gasps> so does everyone in my apartment building. <laughs> what type of COVID puppy and then what is their name? Her name is Aster after the wildflower from missouri because that's where my wife's from um and it grows in the uh midwestern prairie which is um a as diverse as the rainforest just at a more microscopic level and it's um, been destroyed uh for agriculture mass scale (laughs) agriculture yeah Uh um (laughs) and she's a cavapoo which is a mix of a cavalier spaniel and a poodle great dog Uh, very outdoorsy surprisingly does she have her own Instagram? No. We Should have decided she? against okay, that. Okay, please change that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, where can we follow you on social media if we can't follow Aster, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> I know a Corgi so named think... Aster. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Um, <laughs> Who does have an Instagram? My, <laughs> my uh, I think across all social accounts, I'm, I ha- have a, a handle, Doug J. Miller Jr., Oh, that's great. We'll link to it. That's Got it. Way to keep it the same across all social. Yeah, I need to do that. I had to fix it at one point because they were all different for whatever reason. Yeah. I get you. 
Cool. Well, it was so nice. First of all, catching up with you, but also learning so much and hearing about your journey to how you got here. Yeah. And I think you're going to solve some stuff. And yeah. if you run for some sort of uh, political office, I'd vote for you. Yeah. You got two. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we states, we but... don't live where you are running, <laughs> but we would still vote. <laughs> yeah. Doug, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.